Welcome to this Law in Sport podcast with me, Sean Cottrell, the CEO of Law in Sport. I hope you're doing well. If you haven't tuned in before, the Law in Sport podcast is here to help you understand the latest legal issues and developments from the world of sport, as well as get to know some of the key players who work in the sector and keep sport running and work tirelessly, sometimes without much profile. However, we've got a special podcast for you today in which earlier in the year we did a um, Ask Me Anything. So some of you, particularly those less familiar in the sort of social media space and uh, acronyms, uh, AMA is what people refer to these to as. And we did one with um, a super popular lawyer that many of you will know, Daniel Gee, who's a partner at Sheridan's and also the author of the book Done Deal and is prolific on social media and is a fantastic communicator. And, like, and joined by another great communicator, Cynthia Mumbo, who's the founder and CEO of Connect Sports Connect Africa, who's been doing fantastic work championing the development of the sports industry across the African continent and building up networks both across Africa and internationally. We decided to put it onto the podcast and whacking it onto our YouTube channel, um, as well as as a summary um, of what is discussed for you. Um, it's a fantastic session, really enjoyed doing it with both of these two wonderful people and they give an insight into how to build up meaningful relationships within the sports sector, how to um, overcome anxiety about reaching out and networking and we think it's particularly pertinent given that the world's hopefully uh, going to continue to open up and people are going to be able to meet in person as well as continue to network and meet online. This podcast will give you the right tools and skill sets and in, and also a way to frame how to network and deal with some of the anxieties that many people have already but I think are even more pronounced given the effects of the pandemic over the last year and a half or so. So I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please do reach out to Daniel and Cynthia and obviously share this on social media, share it to anyone who you think it would be useful. The reason why we did this was we were trying to create something that addresses some of the real challenges that many of our listeners, members and readers of Law and Sport face in the sector. Other than that, wherever you are, thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. So to start us off then, you, Daniel, talked about conversations, right? So one of the things we'd had a web, we had a couple of webinars last week with, I think, over sort of three or four hundred people in the end who, 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 who tuned a couple of weeks ago on building a profile in sports law, sports business, etc., and one of the key questions comes up, how do I build a network? I don't know anyone. I haven't got a network. And we've got a global mentoring scheme that 140 people plus people applied for. And they say, I haven't got a network. When it comes to the basics of networking, how do you look at networking? And I think maybe come to Cynthia and Dan or, or Daniel, maybe you want to start us off. Actually, and Cynthia will come to you. But so from your perspective, Daniel, you're looking at it as rather than networking per se, you look at it, would it be fair to say then as, as just having conversations with people? Well, how do you look at it? Yeah, I, I always thought it was very daunting um, as a more junior lawyer um, uh, and becoming more of a senior lawyer in, in, in truth to be able to think about the ultimate end goal, which is um, how am I going to bring in business? How am I going to work with clients? How am I going to be able to show my worth? Um, how, how am I going to get to the end result of something? Uh, and you and I, Sean, have talk, talk, talked about it at length in various elements, but I realized actually that I had things backwards where I was thinking about the outcome rather than the inputs. Um, the inputs being actually at a very, very micro level, how to think about starting conversations and building relationships, because otherwise it can be very daunting. Suddenly think. Oh, 
sorry. My my, <laughs> my, wife, my wife actually phones, which will be pleased tonight. Um, but the, the, the short micro point is it can become very daunting to think I've got to build all of these relationships, get these grand networks, when actually it's building one brick at a time consistently and constantly. And it started, you know, it's a lot of events that I came to with, with you, Sean, back in the day of reading articles, meeting people. And, and actually it's to do with certain types of behaviors. So if I just mention one or two very briefly, yeah, yeah, the, the details, you know, as you actually pointed out that I didn't realize actually at the point when we were having conversations, I said to you at different times when I was reading all your great law and sport content, which was... Stop it. <laughs> Uh, those people were writing brilliant stuff I would read it I would um, sort of try to contemplate points and then reach out to the people and say I really like this piece for the following reason um, and just start building relationships that way the other thing that I've been thinking long and hard about and it's sort of a point of I've been trying to write this sort of mini book on exactly the points we've been talking about is how to build connections and get relationships going I just think you've got to um, be constantly proactively out there consistently day in, day out, not think about it as like, oh my gosh, I've got to think about networking now. It needs to become a part of your identity. You identify with something that you do, which is this is who I am, relationship developing. It's a natural thing that happens. It might not feel natural because it's difficult to almost feel and do, but it's just something that becomes ingrained part of your being. And it sounds a little bit. Uh, no, yeah. And I agree with you, but Cynthia, you were nodding. And so less from me, more from you. Obviously you're in, 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 in the African continent. There's such a thriving place at the moment, but like, you know, I'm, if we talked about privately, super excited about the sports being developed across the continent. But one of the, the, the issues that's always been thrown at colleagues across the continent has been how difficult at times it can be to network because of the distance between sort of the more developed hubs, let's say. You were nodding. Right. What, what, what's your take on it? And then how does that relate to everything um, that you've been well, doing? Well, I'm agreeing, I'm agreeing with Daniel because it's, it's not as, as conscious as it is. It's also, it shouldn't be like you wake up and say, today I'm going to network. You know, it should be just part of what you do. Now, what you might not know is I worked in sales. Um, I worked in the corporate world. So I was in FMCG for several years, maybe 13, 14 years. Remind so me, I sold FMCG being? First moving consumer goods. That's sorry. it, that's <laughs> it, that's it. Sorry, I, knew, I was right. like, which one is it? <laughs> yeah, so I sold, um, I sold cooking oil and fat. I sold tires. I sold... Um, uh, what else? I sold tissue. I, I sold all that stuff. And yes, and I was in the field. Uh, and the thing that I learned very early on in my career is you can't sell unless you build relationships. And people do not buy the products that you're selling. They buy you first. They buy you first. Um, I have customers asking me for fridges. I worked for Diageo. I have customers asking me for fridges 10 years later. They call me and they say, oh, you know, you used to work in the middle of the village and you used to help us, can you still help me get a fridge? And they know the current sales rep. So it's been 10 years, wow. but because of the relationship I built with them, they became my friends. I always go into these relationships, hopefully to get more than just, you know, I, I just want to know this person for the sake of the business. end. if I get to know you just a little bit more, because human beings value that, that so you get to know them more than, you know, the, uh, the work that you're doing. Hello, how, how are you kids? How's, how's this and that? So, 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 um, so on that, 
on that just point. Just a second. That's right. That's right. So, um, right. Someone just opened my door. Just a second. <laughs> <laughs> my, so sorry, guys. My car's being fixed, and I probably a, have to run. At, <laughs> Welcome to Africa. We kind of do everything at the same time. Is brilliant. But yeah, so I, I'm as, as I was saying, it's 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 it for me. It goes beyond the you know thinking about I need to know this person for the sake of business. It's really um, what kind of relationship can I build with these people beyond what I do every day? And I think that's 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 been brought and out so, so well by, by Daniel. And so one of the things that, and as I said, Daniel's interesting from a legal perspective, but also from a great, it's a great point, sales. And there's some people, and I, and I sort of take this view, where you say we never sell who wants to be, you know, somebody doesn't want to be sold to. And actually, rather than selling, just try and help people. And so if you've got right. a product or service, or uh, you would like to connect with someone, in a, like because you think what they're doing is interesting, you that is your motivation, not because you're hoping you'll get a job, you're hoping this in the first instance, that's further down the process if it happens it happens but in the interim period you're both saying connect with people for a, a, a sort of an, will be labeled as an authentic reason right but not one right. where it's one of manipulation or one of trying to get around someone it's either from daniel was saying because you've got some you've got content or you're just trying to spark a conversation a bit like you would in a coffee shop uh you know you see someone oh right. hey that's a nice coat you've got or uh, you know uh or something else happens some interaction naturally happens and you pick up that conversation whether it's in the physical or digital world those sort of same principles apply um right. interesting how did you so daniel one of the things that you were saying that i thought was interesting as well because i've talked about this in previous events has been one of the challenges with the pressures of being when you particularly if you're a junior and you're starting out and i was having a conversation i won't mention their name with a, a very good lawyer junior lawyer yesterday they were saying they feel like they don't want to reach out to people because they feel it's going to be seen as a very transparent way of them selling right and i said but you're a lovely human being you're interested in what they're doing. You should just, and this is with some people that, that that person knows, you should just say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? What have you been up to? And everyone's going to be fine with that. It's not, you know, it's just that human connection. But I think with the pressure of being in the legal sector sometimes and being professional services across sport can be that at the back of the mind can be, oh, I need to sell my product. I need to sell my service. And Daniel, maybe that's the journey you've gone through in terms of a flip in terms of, I don't need to do that. I just need to connect first and then hopefully we'll find something that, but there's a synergy. A few things there. I, I think the most important thing is um, it's a slow burn. It's a proper slow burn. But what I mean, I don't mean that's in a negative sense. I mean, uh, it's in the positive sense, which is everybody can see through very quickly um, somebody that's looking for short term gain. And I think that's ultimately the point. What I think you, you're saying it's articulated I actually is what I think um, people want is long-term quid pro quo i'm thinking of you and you're thinking about me because actually we get on we connect we have like-minded morals values decency and actually i uh, i like being in your presence and it's some of those type of things which then become important and to to the question that you got actually um it's a really interesting one because i actually think it's not necessarily just a question of should out to somebody and I don't think it should. That's actually not the, the question. The question is, why am I reaching out to them in the first place? And it's a, I think that's almost the important one. I think two people are too worried, but also too haphazard sometimes in their approach to it. I almost think that you've got to go back to the first principle and say, why am I in touch with this person? And usually it's because 
um, you're interested in them. They're more senior. They've done lots of interesting stuff. They've got a valid opinion and you feel that uh, it would be good to develop um, a particular relationship. So I think that's the first thing, which is think about why you're reaching out. Actually have that purpose very much in the forefront of your mind when you're doing it. Usually it's quite straightforward. I also think the very importantly um, is if you're a lawyer and you're looking to try and reach out to clients or to other lawyers, you've got to think about the, the relationship dynamic is the point as well. And you obviously have different ideas around that. But most importantly, I think a very important element is to think about the seniority of the person you're reaching out to. My view, um, along with some of the other junior members of my team and more senior members is, um, you know, when I was more junior, Although I made the mistake sometimes of reaching out to very senior people, less, more often than not, the senior people aren't responding to you is the truth. And sometimes what you've actually got to find is the equilibrium level of seniority between yourself and the person you're reaching out to. And the reason why I say that is that because in time, what happens is you both grow. Your, your, your seniority increases. And I actually think that the people that you engage with, connect with, um, improve with, and build the relationships with at similar levels of seniority as you hopefully both grow inside whatever industry it might be, that, that becomes a really important thing because you're not just reaching out to someone because they're a big hit or because they've done well or because of whatever it is. You've invested at the grassroots with lots of people that you are um, bringing up as well at the same time. And for me, that's actually been a really, really valuable um, insight that I've only learned really afterwards because the, just the people that I was helping that were helping me that we chatted about were at a junior level are now more senior and are now the decision makers and yeah, are the absolutely. people got those relationships with and that's that's pretty vital well it was one of the things that um that I say to people is like you know at our conferences one of the things we focus on is to, you know make sure you're polite to everyone whether they're a student whether you know they're they're even you know not even a student but they're just interested in the space you don't necessarily have to just network with people who are perceived to be successful because one in a, it's a, such a fast moving industry anyway you never know where people are going to be but also you never know who other people know right so you could think if you're trying to be too strategic about it you could be really dismissive of someone who's friend relative brother whatever you know sister um it might be able to help you or may want to help you um, and you might have been dismissive of that. So I think it's a great point, you know, that you should uh, connect with people that you feel that you've got a genuine connection with. And it's definitely something, you know, we look up with law and sport 10 years later, so many people that I know are now, you know, senior people all over the place where they were like me and you when we started out much more junior. Um, and then there's naturally things evolve. Um, Cynthia, um, in terms of, um, so, we all agreed then, right, that, that this would be the approach that if you're going to connect with people, you should do it from a human perspective. And I've mentioned in the pre-blurb, like Simon Sinek says, rather than call these things soft skills, we call them human skills, how to connect with someone as a human being first. And then hopefully you've got some value there. In terms of um, when you are trying to build relationships remotely, how does that differ for you compared to when you are networking in person or do you have let's maybe break it down let's talk about or well, how do you approach networking digitally if you do or building relationships let's call it that building relationships with people remotely and then how do you do uh, develop it do it when I mean, maybe we can come i'll go to both of you on that and then we can come on to the in person when we can meet so <laughs> what what's what's happened for me digitally is um when i joined linkedin a long time ago um i think maybe eight years now um, and 
the thing I did was post content that made sense because we're all about Africa. So I, I realized there's a very big gap around information on sports in Africa. And so I was you know, consistently, and I still do consistently post information about what's going on on the continent because I realized that there's interest. So what has happened over the years and um, this has happened consistently over the years is you know, you have one or two or three people reach out to you. And I think that's how we connected with you, Sean. As you're thinking about this, which I didn't think about in the prep, actually, is like how we should probably share how all three of us connected. Um, right. like, like, yeah. I, I connected with you on LinkedIn. And, that's right. you know, it's because I was posting stuff and you reached out and you said, right. hey, um, I'd like to connect with you. I like what you're sharing um, uh, on Africa and um, can we get to connect? So I'm very conscious about what I'm sharing. It's consistent. So you'll never ever find on my digital spaces, um, apart from Facebook, which is very personal, but on my LinkedIn and on my Twitter, the, the, the content is very consistent. It's informative and it's informative about Africa. So once in a while, I'm going to talk about my Arsenal team once in a while. But, <laughs> uh, that, Daniel's <laughs> a Liverpool fan. We're just not going there. It's going to descend into chaos. <laughs> <laughs> but um, ultimately, it's, I, I've, I've always thought my digital space is for me to educate people on the things that I'm doing and those who are interested connect but also I reach out to people who are sharing stuff around sports and sports business and we start having conversations um, around stuff many times I I mean it's I wouldn't say a sales pitch per se but I would be looking for some sort of information and I go and look for someone digitally and I reach out to them and I say hey my name is so and so and I'm you know I'm trying to do one two three four five and I'd like to learn a little bit more about what you're doing um, the other thing that has happened is because of that, um, those relationships that I've built online, I've gotten to meet amazing human beings like yourself, Sean, and you yeah. have connected, with, <laughs> you've connected me with other people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm in uh, networks like um, uh, iSport Connect, where I've connected with, uh, you know, guys up until the CEO level because I'm aggressive but also because of what we do locally. So people will see and say, okay, we've seen you one, two, three, four, five, and you know, we, want, we want to know a little bit more. So for me, the digital space is about consistency and being able to discern, you know, and, and so, you know, being open also. So, 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 being so, so, open. so being what's so open? Yeah, being open to people reaching out because sometimes you'll have the wrong kind of people reaching out to you and you can say, Thank you. I'm not interested in ABCD, but never really be rude. It's really yeah. just people reaching well, out because you know that point. you're sharing content. So you we know, should come on. You know you're we sharing should, content. So. so we should come on to this in terms of etiquette with digital right. because I've got huge issues with this. It drives me nuts on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of, and there's been right. some real examples where people can be helped, but they're not helped because of how they've interacted digitally. They're like men, they've lost opportunities basically because of they've been very rude, very curt, you know, not in necessarily intentionally just because they're being almost uh, target fixated on just making the connection as opposed to as building the relationship. So with this though, you know, there's two things you mentioned there. One was engaging with other people's content. And I've had some fantastic over the years, I've, I mean, I've, I mean, just fantastic experiences and I can go into it in detail if people want, but I don't think they do want me to go into that. But if you want me to later, I can. But seeing people's content on LinkedIn or an article, or even a book, I've got a book here, The Wisdom of which I thoroughly recommend reading the wisdom and Daniel I've got your book but it's because you signed it I've got it somewhere special <laughs> so uh, I've kept it I didn't want to damage it but the um um 
the wisdom of finance, this author from Harvard, I wrote to him and just wrote this long email and said, hey, I love this book. It meant a lot to me for this particular reasons at this moment in time. And he wrote back and said, hey, if you're ever in Boston, let's, let's meet for lunch. Uh, I really appreciate it. Like I said to him, I don't think, I don't, I'm sure you get lots of people writing to you. And he said, well, actually, you'll be surprised they don't. <laughs> they actually don't. And so he was like really delighted that I'd taken the time to write and was like, hey, we should do lunch when you, if you ever come to Boston. So there's two things there. One was engaging with people's content and the other, and we've got a bunch of questions coming in that I'm keen to get to. And then the other one was uh, making sure you're posting relevant content, the things you're genuinely interested in, right? And want to share that have got value. Um, Daniel, did you, have you got anything you wanted to, in terms of your approach to, to doing it digitally? You're one of the best at doing it digitally. Um, there's, a, there's a few things. I... Uh, two things. The first is, um, I think one of the, the real good, if there's if there's some positive stuff out of COVID, the one is that my move into sort of did more more digital for obvious reasons. And you know, I did a couple of YouTube courses, which got me thinking um, about how to to do that. And the truth is, um, uh, and this maybe comes up with a few points on networking. Actually, um, my um, my sort of content explosion to a degree and the type of stuff that I put out more regularly is actually down to a funnel that I had before that, which was I didn't have somebody that could help me on the digital content side of things that had good editing skills, that had um, good timekeeping skills, that had good organization skills. And there was a great guy called Bart who reached out to me about 18 months ago and said, Dan, um, uh, I really love all the stuff you're doing. I'm an uh, up-and-coming uh, uh, trainee lawyer doing my undergrad degree. Can I help you with your content? And literally, that was the biggest godsend. And it works lots of ways. It was like, and this goes back to the, the point I'm trying to get to, which is when people reach out, very rarely do they reach out and say, what can I do for you? But it's not necessarily just what can I do for you. It's thinking about what the other person needs. It was actually even more than that. And Bart did it perfectly, which was all I needed to respond, even though it was busy and it was, it was a busy time and I had loads of emails and it could have easily dropped off. I literally, looking back on it now, just had to say yes. I just literally had to type three letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then to progress it. Um, so that, that's the, almost two sides of it. I realized quite quickly what my um, funnel was and then Bart realized very quickly what his advantage to me could, could have been, obviously a very clever move. The other side also that I want to think about as well is um, a story someone told me um, relatively recently, which was um, when they were back in the office for a little bit, um, that um, we're, we're, we're obviously living in a hugely um, over, overawing and overarching digital time where everything is almost done electronically now, you know, just like this, just like um, emails, just like social, just like the notifications within social, our phone, everything that comes with it. And they were talking about, well, I was thinking about the fact that our attention is very much focused on digital for everything that we do as a result. And because of that, what ends up happening is, and because the ways that we can communicate are so vast that everybody else is getting um, cancelled out in their own anonymous digital noise because we're able to WhatsApp, because we're able to a DM, because we're able to email, there, there, there isn't enough attention span for us to be able to generally differentiate lots of things from each other. And the reason why I say that briefly is because... Um, someone was telling me a story about a handwritten letter that they received from somebody that was interested in working with them, which was um, two paragraphs 
very concise, but very um, specific and nuanced about this person, which was obviously very impressive because everyone's attention is focused on the electronic. But Daniel, no- so, so Daniel, in that though, isn't, isn't, isn't the point that you're making though, again, is it really comes back to the same fundamental principle, which is understand who you're communicating to, understand the pressures they're under and understand the most effective way to communicate because that handwritten note, for example, Tim Ferriss and other people have, have talked mm-hmm. about doing this type of thing, right? And we can come on to this in terms of later, like, you know, I've definitely changed my view in terms of reaching the unreachables as such. You know, people you thought were well beyond your reach in terms of connecting with and realise that often that's just a mental and cultural barrier in terms of what you perceive of yourself and what you perceive of, of where you should or shouldn't be and in law and in sports business in a hierarchical structure. That can be, let alone, got a great interview with Ashtar from the Confederation of African Football. I recommend everyone listen to in terms of overcoming uh, you know, cultural boundaries in terms of what you should and shouldn't do. But overcoming that is part of it. But say, for example, with that individual recognizing that actually if you're trying to communicate effectively with that person, doing it in a digital space is probably not the best way to do it because they probably, you know, you may not, you give yourself a better chance if you were to do it with a hand, something that makes a difference. Yeah, I think just on that point, it's as much catering for the person as it is catering for their attention span. And I think our attention span for the physical is still very different to our attention span for the uh, which is, I, I think, an interesting one. But you know, the one, and this is a really interesting point as well. Like, you know, I get thousands, and thousands of emails, and people again, even though how they structure, to, like, in, as you're saying with Bart, is like, I know you're busy. I did like people actually say, I know you're busy. This is what I can do for you. Or this is why I'd like to connect with you. I think yeah. it'd be great. Whether it's a learning, they 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 explain what they would like that relationship to be. I don't know about Cynthia if you agree. I'm way more likely to connect with people who say to me, I'm interested in sports law. I'd like to connect with you. I don't really want anything from you, but I'd just like to, you know, be connected and see what you're up to. And I, I'm more willing to accept that rather than I get some some messages from people. And I've got 500 waiting on my LinkedIn at the moment, just ignoring. Uh, some of them are good ones that I just haven't got to, but lots of them are just like, hey, you can help me develop my network, my career. Da, da, da. And I think I just don't, I don't, I'm not really that inclined to, to, to accept the invitation to connect because I don't want to start a relationship like that. Right. If you say some people are generally, I like law and sport or I've been reading this and I think it'd be great to have this mutual relationship, much more inclined to, to connect. Um, do you agree with that, Cynthia, before we come to? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I get tons of people who write to me and tell me I need things. And I'm like, maybe if you could introduce yourself a little bit, and <laughs> I'd like to know a little bit more about you. And, um, you know, they're, they're, and then there are people who write five paragraphs and they're like, oh, I don't think I have enough time, time to read yeah. all of this. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, being being able to discern and know what is enough for that person, I think it's very, very important. Um, and really do a little bit of research around this person. You know, if you're connecting with somebody, do a little bit of research, get to know who they are and, and you know, where they are. It's unfortunate that our business is such a hierarchical business, but it is. So if you understand that you work in that kind of environment, then you get to know that if this guy's the MD of um of law and sport then how do i reach him and how what, what kind of conversations can i have you know with him and, and what kind of i'm a salesperson through and through so i always <laughs> think about the the customer and you know what does this customer need and that's how i approach a lot of my relationship conversations it's not what i'm selling it's what do, what does this person need and, and daniel brought out that out very you know clearly is what what does this person need um, and and then reach out to them from that angle 
And so, so we'll come on to some, I would like, I think it might be useful. And again, if people could put in the chat, if they think it would be useful just for us to disclose how we met and connected over the years, uh, if you want to, we can do that, but we've got some questions as well. And then it would be good to get some examples of how you've done it. Now, one of the things I know when I've given talks on this topic before, the, when we get back to in-person networking, I think there's going to be more anxiety about it, but I know that lots of people are super anxious about in-person networking, and so we can get into that in a minute. So we've got one from Ushman Jamil. He says, should one be connecting networking with fellow lawyers, colleagues who are working as counsel in sports organizations? Given that they are competing with one another, would it be helpful to develop relationships with lawyers who have experience working with sports organizations um, and bodies? Who would like to take that? I would say yes, but <laughs> as a simple one, but does anyone want to take that? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. I would never, I would never be able to move even in, in when I was working in corporate, I would never have been able to move from the tire company Firestone to East Africa Glories Limited Diageo, if I didn't have a network and connected with actually the MD of, of Diageo at the time, the local MD of Diageo, I went to an event and he asked a question and I threw my hand up. I, I always make sure that when I move into an event and I'm, I'm the first person to speak or the last person to speak, well, I'm the person who says the most valuable thing in that <laughs> room. It's very threatened, very, very, but, but yeah, why not? Nothing stops you from reaching out to other people within the industry um, who work, um, you know, other people within the industry. I, I don't think there should be a problem. Yes, you should. By all means. But by the way, you can see that like you're a force of nature, right? So like, like as in, you can see why you built a network. Is the um, Daniel? I, I think it's a mindset thing. Um, I think if the question is around should you network with people that are your competitors and who you see as a threat. I think you're probably in the wrong mindset is, is ultimately the truth, but it's difficult when everybody has the insecurity starting out and getting more senior in the industry of going, Oh, I can't speak to him because he's my competitor and he did that work that I wanted to do, or he, or she did this or, or otherwise. And um, the truth is, is that some of my best relationships are with some of the lawyers that I would probably class as my biggest competitors. But the truth is, is that quite quickly you work out the mindset of people that ultimately we're still in the business to um, be intellectually curious, to network and to know what's going on. Because some of the best conversations I have with some of my the competitors at the law firms that I work with are like around what's going on in in the industry. What what are you seeing? What what am I doing? What and there are always going to be people that are going to be like this. I can't tell you anything because that's my competitive advantage. And there's going to be other people like this that's going to be. I can tell you everything because that's my competitive advantage. Um, and so I think that's the that that's the the mindset. So 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 th this is one of the things that I think is really interesting though, and I think it's easier when you get older. Uh, maybe not older, but more experienced, I should say, in the marketplace, which is, again, as you're going through those levels, right? That's a bit like when you go, if you go to university, the first time you're there, you're like, oh, what will I have to say to people? Oh, no, what am I going to, yeah, and over time, over the three years of being there, you suddenly become really au fait of everyone because you're exposed to it. And I think, uh, you know, particularly in the legal profession and the sports sector, would you both agree? The sports sector is particularly collaborative like in the sense of like people actually, even though there is competition there, people are like, oh, so I say, say collegiate in the sense that people are willing to try and support. They know how difficult it is to get in. Within reason, they're quite happy to try and give. We certainly see this for our mentoring scheme. People really do want to give back and help people through because they recognize how difficult it was to get 
to, to, to develop a career in the sector. Do you, do you both agree with that? Uh, I absolutely agree. I mean, considering our sports you know, space in Africa is considerably young. The sports business space is considerably younger than you know, the rest of the world. We have a lot of learning to do. Um, what I've discovered is you, know, you have to put yourself out there uh, but also you have to be open because a lot, lots and lots of younger, um, you know, guys, younger guys, whether they're in uni or, or, you know, just getting into the industry, a lot of people reach out to me and say, hey, we've seen you have about 10 years of experience. What are you, you know, what's going on? And it, absolutely, uh, the collaboration, we can't build the industry locally unless we, one, empower more people to join in and to um, be uh, a voice um, and, and, a, and, a, and a, like in my case, we're called Sports Connect Africa because we believe that when we connect more people, when we you know inspire more people, when we empower more people within the industry, whether they're from outside or inside, then we're going to create a wider environment and a, and a greater opportunity for the for the industry to grow. So, so that's a really great point because one of the things that we always say to people is that there's so much opportunity in the sector rather than trying to compete with someone else, what they're doing, see where you can add value as a whole. And, you know, in that network is in, in the sense of that something sometimes feel like that, you know, they've got to be like, oh, I need to be the best. I need to do this. And all that pressure builds, right? And immediately, um, and Daniel, you talk about this in terms of mindset. If you've got that, if you do have that mindset, sometimes you'll never get to the point where you've acquired enough knowledge, enough expertise, enough perspective, enough experience to actually reach out to anyone. And so you end up, I know people who are like eight years qualified and they go, how do I build a network? And it's like, well, you're pretty knowledgeable about whether the, the area that they either work in, either in the business side or in the legal side, but in their head, they're never quite good enough to reach out to someone rather than say, actually, I've got something of value that I could you know, give to someone and connect with someone. Um, Got, got one on this um, from a question from Lex Hancocks. You've mentioned sometimes it can feel daunting when networking, having to find the equilibrium between your seniority and the seniority of the person you're reaching out to. Do you have any tips for networking effectively as a student? Because it often feels as a student that they are at the bottom of the ladder in terms of seniority. Daniel? Uh, it's the biggest thing that I didn't do and it's the thing that I do the most now, um, which is listen um, and ask open-ended questions. Uh, I remember uh, distinctly at lots of different law and sports events when, uh, when I'm more junior, you feel like you have to justify your existence. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, I do know something about what, what <laughs> you're more about, and I'm going to tell you everything I know because that's the only way that I can show you that I'm any good. Um, I still uh, do that now, Daniel, with my insecurity, <laughs> like, as you know. And but but the, the opposite is actually true, and it feeds into uh, so many things. If I was to give everyone one piece of advice that has been the most useful thing about building relationships, and I'm positive Cynthia will say a similar element. Um, if not, then maybe I'm just completely wrong. But um, is is how to listen better. And it's so important, I think even more so to be able to practice it, um, not necessarily thinking about the equilibrium points, although it does make a difference, which is ask open-ended questions of people. People cynically love chatting about themselves. I mean that in a really positive way. Like, Absolutely. And, to, and to ask those questions, those perceptive questions of people, 
opens up a world of conversation um, for yourself to be able to benefit from and the other person to be able to benefit from. It's, it's less about thinking about yourself and more thinking about the other, more about thinking um, um, about them than you. And so that if you're able to ask those open-ended questions and get those interesting nuggets, what ends up happening, as Cynthia was talking about before, is that you start building up a picture of all of these different people and what they're interested in, what their likes are, what they're interested in talking about and, and their values and, and, and Daniel, systems. so on that point though, isn't one of the problems when you're a student, as you were saying about having to show how much you know and to justify that, being that sometimes the the doing the simple thing of just saying, hey, what it is, that, sorry, I don't understand, I'm a student, forgive me, but I don't actually understand what your role is. Can you tell me what it is that you do? Is it is absolutely fine? And people are normally quite happy to disclose that. And I, I think when I've dealt with, not simply, I'm not sure if you see this, but again, a lot of people just don't let themselves have that really basic rudimental conversation because they're trying to ask the impressive question rather than go, oh, sorry, what is it that you do? Oh, have you been doing, have you got a lot of work on it at the moment? You know, really like, you know, 101 stuff. Um, Cynthia, did you, does that resonate with what Daniel said? Does that resonate with you? You're a bit it, muted. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in total agreement. It's, it's really simple. Uh, it sounds simple sometimes, but it's not as simple as it sounds. Um, just, just be present. Be, be absolutely present. I think that's critical. Because when I got a story, like when I was, so I was a credit controller, so people might know years ago, I left school at 16, I used to work in law firms. When I started law in sport, I was working at a law firm called Charles Russell, and they had basically a, a free pass to a conference that I couldn't afford to attend. And they sent an email around saying, and I was doing my law degree part-time, and they said, who wants to go to this event? And I was quickly on the email saying, yeah, I'd love to go to this event. And so I got approval from my boss to go. I ran to this event, and I'm super nervous. I don't know anything about sports law, really. I think it was probably... Yeah, at the time I was thinking about doing law and sport or around that sort of, you know, just starting getting into it. And I remember running to this event on the tube because it was a half, like there was only half a day left. I ran to the event, jumped on the tube, got there, and I met a guy called Judge Jeff Blackett, who was the chief disciplinary, the, the chief judicial officer, sorry, for the RFU at the event because everyone was in the conference room and he was outside waiting to speak. And I turned up and he, <laughs> and, uh, he was charming. But I was sweating and it was a sunny, it was a sunny day. And he went, Oh, I didn't know it was raining outside. And I was, I was bright red. I was so embarrassed. And I thought, Oh, please let the world open up and just swallow me up. And, but it starts a conversation. I was like, Oh yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit humid out there at the moment. Yeah. I was rushing to get here and we started this natural conversation and he said, Oh, so what is it you're doing? I said, well, this is where I'm at. And then from that, when he gave this amazing presentation, I was able to go up to him after the presentation and say, Oh, I'm really interested in knowing about that. Uh, you know, could I ask you, you know, some more questions at a later point in time? He said, yeah, absolutely. Anything you need, because we connected on this really basic human element. And I then, I then took, because I was an awkward, like super awkward to begin with going to networking events. I used to get, um, I'm not sure. Did you, did you guys used to get anxiety from going to networking events? I used to get really bad anxiety about going like as in. Um, no. <laughs> All right. I did. did Daniel, uh, did you? Um, I was always really worried my issue was about not knowing anyone in the room and sort of scanning the room and thinking you know I'm, I'm I'm sort of here and I know what I've got to do um but I'm not quite sure how to do it and I just developed about one or two just really straightforward self-defense mechanisms where I'd be like right go up to the coffees and the croissant yeah 
keep drinking a lot of tea and coffee until someone comes up next to you and you need some sugar and 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 you lit and i literally went from there and that, that and, it was those more little things and that can backfire always, if it's alcoholic I drinks fell back. sorry i always fell back on my sales skills um and sales experience i always just go back and say okay so how was i approaching customers when i started and that's my same approach when i go into events and i started going to marketing events long time ago um well before I started doing so, so can you can you explain that though Cynthia so like again I think this is one you know for me great salespeople are great people people right like in the sense of again great communicators and and I think sometimes there can be a negativity around sales as being this like you know bad thing but really if you're doing great mm-hmm. sales you understand the value that you're bringing to a, a, a relationship and to your product or service you'll provide you're solving a problem for someone so in terms of though right. going back to your sales training what would be your sales training if you went to an event um, so, so basically, you know, sales for, for me and for, you know, for the experiences I had, we've always been told that sales is not about what you're selling. Plus people just need to appreciate you. And maybe I need to explain that I'm, I'm in a shop where they're now selling <laughs> animal feet. So do not mind the, but yeah, so for me, sales has always been critically about the customer. It's always about the customer. You you want to imagine that this person you're going to connect with, what do they like? What do they want? You know, it's, and and sales is, it sounds, it sounds so crude, you know, because whenever any salesperson reaches out to you, the first thing they come to you is tell you about their product. But really, like we spoke earlier, sales is about understanding what the customer wants. So what I was taught at Diageo is when you go into a bar, the first thing you do is say hello, but you go and look at the back, back bar as we you know, called it, and you have conversations with the customers who are there, you know, the end users. So you know, what are you taking? What do you like? So that the owner of the bar gets to say, wow, this person just isn't thinking about coming to me and giving me five more cartons of Johnny Walker. They really genuinely care. We look at their fridge. And so, so, so it's Cynthia, the Cynthia, that is such a brilliant piece of advice. And I think we can transpose that into the sports sector, right? So when right. you go into an event and you're dealing with this anxiety and, and for disclosure, I used to get so anxious. Sometimes I'd have to do a double walk around the block before. And this is like, uh, even up to like a few years, like as in probably about seven years ago, because I'll be like, oh, people are going to judge you. Like, you know, they're worried about this. Am I going to introduce law and sport correctly? Are they going to ask me difficult questions? Like, let, you know, and, and, you know, could I start a meaningful conversation with someone, right? Could I, what am I going to do if we, the conversation goes into an area I don't know about? And so from going from that introspective perspective or being so self-obsessed, going into say, I'm going to be, we would call it being mindful, right? Or being present in the environment and say, I'm at an event. I've gone into it. So you're saying it's the bar, right? I've got into the bar. Let me look around. Why are people here? How, why have you come to this event? Right. What is it you're looking to do? Right. Right. What is you, what are you, what, what are you, why are you here? Are you trying to develop your career? Are you trying to find out a bit of information and that, and that immediately, um, cause like to build on what Danny used to say, and I'm simply, I don't know if it's what you used to do to do with my anxiety. I'd go to the, 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 the teas and coffees would be my go-to move. Right. So you didn't have to feel awkward. And then I'll make a tea as a, as a particularly teas as a process because it takes time. And maybe some people would come to the table and stuff like that. Then I'd look Absolutely. up and then I think, Oh, I'm either ready to go and approach someone or I'll go to the bathroom. Right. Cause I think, uh, that's fine. Oh, all of a sudden I need to go to the bathroom. So I go to the bathroom, then I come back and then I think to myself and what I really quickly realized was 
people in these environments, when the when it's like in a bar, if you're in a bar and it's a social atmosphere or you're a friend's party, people want to talk to you. And I really, quite really realized as long as you said to people, hey, I'm here on my own. I don't really know anyone. Are you happy for me to, you know, to, to join? As long as people aren't into a private conversation, literally right. almost 99% of times people go, yeah, of course. So what is it you do? And you just- Absolutely. Absolutely. I walk into an event, um, you know, I'll, I'll go and check out what table looks like people are either talking or if they're not, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very sociable. I, I, I love to speak. So I'm, I'm, I'm very rare in the sense that I'm, I'm not afraid to approach people. Uh, I know that, you know, people have anxiety. So many times I'm going to approach people who are sitting by themselves and say, hey, uh, my name's Cynthia. I run, you know, a sports com company, one, two, three, four, five. And I'd love to know a little bit more about you. And, and you almost immediately hear, oh, God, thank, thanks so much. <laughs> you know, you get that. So like you say, I'm in agreement that, you know, the thing I learned when I was selling is exactly the same thing. When you walk into um, a room, you find that 99% of people are also just afraid, just as exactly. afraid as you are. So um, don't be afraid to you know, start the conversation, introduce yourself and let people know why you're there. And so one other thing as well is how, oh, sorry, Daniel, we're going to say something. Just a really small point um, that it just, what Cynthia said, just sparked something that I remember that I, I still do when I go, or I used to do a lot more. Um, I would prepare, uh, when I knew there was going to be a networking event, right? Um, apart from all the stuff about trying to meet the right people and identify them, I would literally try and visualize what I was going to do <laughs> when I was at the networking event. I know it's a weird thing. I know elite sports people will probably do the same as well to the extent that like what you would, what I would do is I would imagine myself going up to someone or turning to somebody. And what is the first, what, what actually is the first thing that I'm likely to say to them and practice that 50 times so that I would be, even if I felt a little bit nervous about it, that I would still feel fluent in the three sentences that I would start off with saying, literally like it's a pitch, literally like it's a pitch that you would start off. When you said on, you know, she felt very comfortable about going up and saying what she said. I didn't feel comfortable going up saying what I said, but I found comfort in the repetition of the preparation of then doing it. And, and on that point, so one of the things that, I, that I've worked with, as you know, like I've sort of, sort of worked with coached like, you know, been friends with thousands of people now for their career development. And one of the things I always found surprising and when I do sort of like, you know, career development with people is how much negative self-talk people have. I find it really surprising in the sense of general counsels of thoughts. This is the thing that, you know, for everyone listening, there are some of the world's leading lawyers, leading business people I know who literally sometimes think to themselves, I haven't, no one wants to hear from me. People say maybe it's the imposter syndrome, but there's a lot of people do have negative self-talk. And one of the things I find interesting is that even people who have achieved a lot and they come into the sports sector, athletes, and we come onto the athlete side even, who are coming from being a professional athlete to in law, they're like, like, and we, me and Daniel, like we're good friends with a mutual friend of ours who's a, a, like a um, Olympic gold medal winning athlete who would be why saying to themselves, why does anyone want to talk to me? What have I got to say? I've got nothing interesting to say. So work on that. I used to, you know, they talk it in, in for entrepreneurs, they'd split an elevator pitch, right? They'd say, do your elevator pitch. But I always say, what's the key things? And for me, 
I would like have key points I would like people to think about, which would be the firms that I've worked at in the sense of, so they knew that I had some background or the areas of interest that I'm in, like things I'm interested in. So I'm here because I'm looking to develop in this because I'm interested in this area. So people, you could, um, uh, how do you call it? Like you find people who've got um, common interests much more quickly by the things you say, you can prime it almost. And maybe from a sales perspective, you do that, you prime the conversation. And so you'd say, hey, you know, oh, what are you drinking today? Oh, that's interesting because I'm interested in looking at what people do here and then the conversation goes in that direction and i think that's a great piece of advice so if you are really nervous think about how you introduce yourself i'm interested in this or i've got aspirations but the one thing and i'm not sure if you would agree with all of this stuff is don't oversell so like if you're doing a business don't over pitch you know if you ever watched shark tank or um what's the other one where the, the, the dragon's den where people say, I've got a business, it's going to be worth 100 million. And they go, so how many people you sold to? And they say 20 people. And they go, eh. <laughs> And it doesn't mean they haven't got a good business. It just means they're just you know, not being honest. I think the same thing when people are trying to network, when they consider there's a disconnect between you know, what you're telling them you are and what you want to do and aspire to do and where you are, there's a lack of sort of honesty about it. That can also make, I don't know about you guys, but it makes me either digitally or in person back away a little bit. Because I think, okay, this person's like a bit too either over keen or they're not being honest about uh you know with themselves or what it is they want to do and so you you kind of like wait to see if what they're like over a longer period one thing um sean on on that was just sparked just for uh, 30 seconds was um i read a really interesting um uh piece a while back from a guy that uh, called christian bach i think his name is he wrote a, a really lovely book called um uh, serendipity mindset yeah and um, he he wrote a small piece about how actually uh, when you're having conversations with people, the best thing you can say when um, they ask, uh, what do you do, is not necessarily to tell them what you actually do, but it's to tell you tell them your interests very quickly. And they call it the serendipity hook, mm. which is you can say, and when someone says, what do you do? And I've been trying it out a lot more. And it's actually been really helpful. I, I, I might well say I'm a sports lawyer, but then I'll say is I'm a football nut or I yeah. love listening to indie music or I'm a triathlete. I used to think I did triathlons. Um, so what I mean is that if you put four, three or four disparate ideas together, usually something will will pinch that yeah. then conversation. Well, that's, that's all it needs to be. So when I started law in sport, this is how I approached law in sport which was people didn't think law in sport would work often right as in a, as a business model a lot of the people in the sector were like we're already talking to the people that matter why do we need more information but what i would connect with people on was the frustration so particularly with in-house counsel the frustration that private practice lawyers wouldn't actually address questions that they had right wouldn't actually talk to them properly so i say look this is a frustration how can we put better information out there in the market you know are you frustrated that, that you know, it's not the opportunities or that that, that sports laws aren't respected right da, 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 da. and you'd be on this sort of like almost a values-based uh connection and quickly you realize people who you didn't have anything to resonate with right or connect with you so that's a deputy you just move on and everyone's fine with it you just say hey you know maybe now's not the time for us to connect and i might say as well some of the some of the people i connect with really well are some of the most aggressive salespeople because at least they're very honest about what they want from you and so you can say do i want to engage in a relationship like this or not um and if you do then it's great i put a link to the, the book that daniel's put in there the other book that i love is and i recommend everyone to check this book out give and take by adam grant um grant sorry 
in terms of identifying matches, givers, takers, in terms of people's mentality. I just said, check it out. It's really, really good, particularly for those people who are aspiring to, to develop their careers in the market. You can really identify certain characteristics of people who are look like they want to help and be, you know, connect and stuff like that. And people who are being manipulative, essentially, I think it's great. Now we've got some questions, some other questions. So we've got an anonymous attendee, Cynthia, I would like to like your opinion on the means of outreach a student should prefer to utilize the email id available on linkedin at times or linkedin itself so i guess the question would be how should um students reach out to people can i just say some one other thing before that i guess a pre-question to that is should they actually reach out so asking the question why are you reaching out in the first place does it not feel do you do you agree that some people just reach out as daniel was saying at the beginning for the sake of reaching out because they feel they should do it without any real purpose Right. Uh, no, students well, should absolutely reach out. I'm sorry, just one second. That's all right. <laughs> um, yes, students should reach out. Absolutely. Um, I've got several students who reach out to me on uh, LinkedIn. Um, but why are you reaching out? Are you reaching out for internship? Are you reaching out to learn something specific? Are you reaching out for, you know, um, what reason? Have a reason to reach out. So don't just reach out for the sake of reaching out. You, you, need to, you need to know what it is that you're reaching out for. I'm always happy to help. I'm always happy to help um, any um, young guys who are interested um, in reaching out for, for a certain reason. And uh, once or twice or three times, we've, you know, we've had interns come in because they reached out to me on LinkedIn. Brilliant. Daniel? I, just a, a bit there, which is systemically, it's, I think the education point is to educate people on why to reach out. I almost think it's the why, not do yeah. the what. And, and that's the really important thing because, again, it just goes back to the, the point of flipping the conversation. It's like, if you're going to reach out, work out why you're going to reach out. And I think usually the reason you want to reach out is that people want to have those connections to possibly use at some point in the future, but always think about the present really. And usually the people that you're wanting to reach out to are probably more time poor than, than you are. And then that gives you the competitive advantage or rather the, the, the positive advantage to say, well, if I've got more time on my hands that I can do something useful for this other person, what is it that I can do usefully for this other person that might generate goodwill and start the, the beginnings of a relationship? That to me is number one, number two, number three. So um, uh, we've, we're just going to uh, uh, famously or infamously now, we always overrun and it's like my terrible timekeeping. If people couldn't hang five, if you want to, I've got a couple of questions that we're going to run through. I've got a story that might be relevant to people, right? So as in working example, so um, Lauren Sport is the biggest community in the world in sports store with over 30, nearly just under now 30,000 members worldwide. I've got 5,000 connections on LinkedIn, although, you know, and I don't accept people unless I'm, I can connect. I've got a policy that I connect with people only if I know there's a mutual shared interest or if they've bothered to, to write and say why we should connect. But we, we run a, we're, we're involved in, I should say, and help set up a, a private group looking at diversity inclusion. And we wanted someone to come and speak. It's a worldwide group, but um, it's not a law in sport group. It's just something we, we, we've been sort of uh, been uh, really fortunate to be involved with. And I saw there was a lady uh, that was referred to a gentleman by the name of Kwadjo Ajupong, who was on the group, who is a lawyer at the Competition Marketing Authority. He was involved in another group we were involved with. I reached out to him and said, hey, would you like to be involved in this diversity group? He got involved in it. 
he mentioned the lady by the name of Charlotte Valore, who was the chair of Institute of Directors. And he was saying she was so impressive because she changed the, 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 the um, makeup of the board from in a year from being pretty much all white male to being 50-50 male female, 30% black and minority ethnic, right? And she did it in a year. And he quoted her in some of the articles in terms of it was really easy. So I quickly, we're having this conversation, I quickly go on to LinkedIn, find Charlotte Valore's uh, um, um, her profile. She is an, a senior executive of, of private equity funds and she's a very impressive lady, right? Um, top like CEO type of individual and serial board member. I wrote her a note and said, I would like to connect with you because you're someone who makes meaningful change happen. I'm so impressed by what you've done. It's really resonated with me. I would just like to follow what you're doing. She connected with me. I then sent her a follow-up message and said, um, by the way, I think it's so impressive what you've done. Just want to say congratulations. You know, just, just for reference, you, I connected with you because this gentleman, Quadragipong, had mentioned you and was impressed by what you'd done. She then messaged back, goes, that's wonderful. We got this and sent me all this information. Within three days, she was speaking to our diversity inclusion group. Within three days of connecting. In theory, she was a bit untouchable in some ways for me because we had no real connection at that moment in time. But it was a genuine, authentic connection, as Daniel was saying. It was a good reason to connect with her, right? And she could have rejected it and fine, you just move on. But the reason why it mattered, and then we became sort of contacts and we had to, got involved in some other things. But the point was, I was very clear in terms of this is why. And so when I have a policy, when I'm connecting people and students on LinkedIn, I say to people, this is why. And if you haven't read Del Carnegie's, and you probably read it, Del Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, lots of, I would say, bad salespeople look at that book and think, oh, this is how I can manipulate people. The wiser people look at it and go, this is how I can build meaningful relationships and do nice things for people, right? And he says, like, have you done something nice for someone today? And in this world, and particularly, Daniel, you were saying, with all the noise of everyone shouting at each other on digital, if you bother to write to someone and say, thanks for doing a great post, thanks for writing this, I really enjoyed it, and express why, not just a flippant, but you say why. Like, we've got a mutual friend, Daniel Mouth Mins, um, who's great, does a lot of stuff in sponsorship. He wrote a great post on LinkedIn. I didn't agree necessarily with some of the, or I had questions actually about some of the things he was saying, but it was a really good post. I did some questions. We were on a call a few days later because we wanted to pick up that we just naturally wanted to pick up the conversation because we we're like, oh, wow, your response is really interesting. It was really good. Let's pick this up. And it was, there was no outcome from it. It was just a great relationship. And then it's like, oh, if we ever need someone to speak, et cetera, I'd love to be involved. It has worked really well. Um, Right, we've got, um, let's run through these questions. We've got Akash, so Akash Sharma. For individuals starting out their journey in the field of sports law, what is the one thing you consider? <laughs> and you can say sports business as well. What is the one thing you consider to be a big no-go when it comes to developing uh, their network? Ooh, who wants to go on that first? What's a big no-no? I've got two. Don't send connections without, like, as in, I want to connect with you. One of them being, I want to either don't say why you want to connect or just say, I'd like to connect with you because I think you can help me. That's why I put it out on the joke on Twitter. That one being one. And the other thing is, don't tell me you're passionate about sports law or anyone else. And I was speaking to a, a governing body of sport earlier, and they were saying this is, you know, one of the problems of differentiating applications for jobs. And we've got other webinars on this in the coming weeks. Isn't that's the, such a generic thing? It's kind of like doesn't tell you anything about them. And so it doesn't, it's, you might as well not have said it. Uh, Daniel, Cynthia? Uh, Cynthia, you go. Uh, <laughs> um, what can I say? Be authentic. I don't know how to say it the other way. 
Be yourself. Don't, don't, don't be fake. Be yourself. And sometimes it's okay to make mistakes and go back and say, hey, I know I tried to approach you and this wasn't, this wasn't what I was intending, but this is, this is what I'm looking for. It's okay. You know, and I mean, sometimes you'll also meet rude people. So expect anything, you know, don't have, the other thing is don't have super expectations of everybody because yeah. people are different. I think that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an important one. But if you're rejected, you're rejected. Rule number one in sales, 90, 90% of your customers say no, right? That's brilliant. So yeah. that's the other thing about meeting people is 90% of them are going to say no, you know? And it you don't have to connect with everyone. Short, right, but you also don't have to go and connect with everybody. Yeah. When I go into a conference, I'm very specific. I want to meet three people every day for the three days that I'm there. There's sometimes 3,000 people in there, but I just want to meet three people were in this specific field in this specific direction whatever be be specific don't don't force it Cynthia, wouldn't you say though as part of being authentic though like uh, for example we're more i say daniel so you're less i'd say um like a gregarious than myself and cynthia right who are a bit more like in your face um uh let's say in our approach but i i genuinely love talking to people i'm super i talk a lot as everyone knows but i'm very curious as well because I recognize I don't know too much. So I'm always like, what do you do? What do you, uh, I, I like doing that. But some of my colleagues, for example, um, and friends are not like that, but they build relationships with one or two people, but they're really good relationships. There's nothing wrong with, with that, is it? If you're a very sort of sociable person and you want to talk to lots of people, that's absolutely, there's not, I think sometimes as well, people get fixated on the right way or wrong way. And it's kind of like the best way for you. And again, coming back to Daniel's why, why do I actually want to connect with people? Well, I'd like to have a, a, a meaningful conversation with someone, or I'd like to connect with, like, just understand more people. Um, do you, Daniel? I, I completely agree. I don't want to duplicate. I'll show you questions as we can so i think yes yeah, yeah. work much better than my ones <laughs> okay and then um and we need to come on to there's a couple of ones particularly about professional athletes but um uh, yamo said yamo tongue um has said for the for those who aren't naturally confident do you have any tips for developing confidence without veering on the side of arrogant arrogance i know we kind of talked about it a little bit um do you have any tips in terms of building confidence in networking yes <laughs> yes smile at yourself in the mirror every day and say I'm good. I'm worthy. I am. I'm okay. I'm. Trust me. It's been years of me doing that to myself. I look at myself in the mirror and I say, "Today's my day. I'm worthy." And I think that the next person I'm going to meet, they're going to think I'm worthy too. And just smile. If we're uh, in person, and, I'll give you a high five for that. I think that's a great <laughs> piece of advice. That's, yeah. Um, no, I. I um. If you if you look at yourself, and and convince yourself that you're worth it and that you're worthy people will see your worth but if you're afraid you can't find space to get out of your shell that's so it you have to look you sorry yeah. because of time though but you have to love yourself right you have to be kind to yourself right and i think that's Absolutely. a like this again there's a great couple of interviews coming up on our podcast on these type of issues in terms of again this whole self-narrative right if you don't if you think you're not good enough if you think that it's a bit like sport it's exactly the same as Daniel was saying with the visualization. There's lots of parallels to be Absolutely. to be had there, right? You visualize yourself having successful relationships with people and saying, you know, um, really interesting. And there's a great book actually on on that I'm listening to that I need to listen to about five times over called Nonviolent Communication. 
um, which is really, really good with a negotiator and psychologist who, who um, there was a very difficult circumstance, but he talks about this in terms of the self-talk element. Really interesting. Talk, don't talk violently to yourself. Like you're not good enough. No one wants to talk to you. Like it's quite a, a mean thing to do. So talking kindly and you're worthy is quite a, a great thing. Daniel, do you have any advice in terms of building confidence? Uh, it's not listening to your monkey. I have yeah. this monkey basically older sometimes is, is the negative self-talk you know good you're rubbish you're not as good as you think you are it's, it's all of the things that separate your rational self from your emotional self a lot of the time and um, a lot of the time what I try and do is I try and separate it out a little bit and almost then do the opposite of what my little cheeky monkey is telling me um, I should or shouldn't be doing or otherwise and um, that actually for me is quite a, like a logical process driven mm. thing that happens which is like I don't need to I don't need to listen to you and I'm, I'm okay with it. And um, yeah, I, I, for me, a lot of stuff is quite process routine driven confidence in knowing what I want to say and start off. And once I've started off, I feel usually quite comfortable that I can, um, you know, have a, have a meaningful conversation with people. You know, one of the other things that, I, that my, my way of building confidence was realizing no one cares about you. That was the biggest thing. The, the, my big thing was worried about people's judgment. And when I realized that no one actually, um, you know, cares, like as in the sense of they want to get to know you, but no one's judging, not many people are judging the way that you think you are, right? No one knows your weaknesses as much as you know them. And therefore most people, when I realized when I walked into a room at a conference, no one cared. Didn't care if I was there. They didn't care if I wasn't there. And so I was like, oh, cool. I could actually just walk in and be relaxed because they'll forget about me within a few minutes anyway, even if I do make a mistake. Um, um, great question here from Emma. Amartya, and I apologize, that's wrong, Moody, great name, but the, um, and I'm probably saying it wrong, um, with the rising popularity of sharing experiences online via Clubhouse or Zoom or other sharing platforms, how do you network effectively with experts when you lack experience or knowledge in a particular subject of interest? Um, I, I'll maybe just start out there very briefly. I think she's probably answered the, uh, the question, but by answering, asking the question, which is my, my fundamental belief, as you know, Sean, from um, years and years of us chatting and me writing and all that type of stuff, is you've got to have faith in your ability to be able to actually become knowledgeable on something. I know you can't always do that, and there's loads of areas to be able to do, but if I just give one very brief example at the moment, um, the new NFT phenomenon that's going on right now, um, non-fungible tokens and mm -hmm a top shot stuff and everything else that's going on i'm saying to a lot of other guys and girls in my team this is what my thing was with ffp 15 yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah. You, you a lot of the time it's not thinking about how can i be knowledgeable in something that someone is already very knowledgeable in sometimes you've got to find where the standing start is where everyone more or less is in a similar starting position to you and then because that put you as a junior lawyer or junior student will have more time on your hands and are relatively time rich you can supercharge yourself in a year is the truth 100 um, and that's the thing that i think is really important it's not to think oh i, I can never get to that level and i can never be as good and i can never do that it's almost like flip it work out what you can consistently do and supercharge it quickly well did you one way to back engineer that would be brendan i think it's brendan perchard who wrote a book called high habits of high performers or something like high performance habits and he, 
he said that a lot of successful people fall enough when they go wrong is they forget that someone else could do their job if they put the time and effort and had the same expertise. But when he sees that their sort of careers going down is when they forget that it was about effort put in, time spent. And so he yeah, reversing that and saying, right, and I put this post out on, as you know, Daniel, on, on, on social media a few weeks ago about people trying to be celebrity lawyers. And they say, look at someone like Daniel or Cindy yourself, people who've got you know, good followings, got a good profile. And they just think, oh, you just randomly started putting out some tweets, right? Not realizing that there's 10 years or more of really hard work of building up your knowledge, you know, behind the scenes, right? Or like, you know, Daniel, you talked about writing your book and how many hours you have to be disciplined every day writing the book. And they don't see that. They just see the fact you've, got a, you've put out a post which they maybe have a similar view on and think, well, well no one's engaged with me in that way. And it's like, well, it's because you haven't built up the credibility over time of putting all yeah. that hard work in. There's a great quote um, that Angela Duckworth mentions in her brilliant book called Grit. And it says, no one sees the becoming. Everyone <laughs> sees the outcome. <laughs> I think that's the really like a really important thing, which is like you should celebrate the becoming, you should yeah, celebrate all the, the the hours that you've got to be able to do something rather than thinking, how do I get to the outcome of this? I know it's easy for me when we've had some modicum of success over a long period, a relatively long period of time. But I, I just think almost this outcome based approach to stuff can sometimes be a bit debilitating is the truth. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, can as I, in, can I just chime yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, when you're younger, guys, I think what people, you know, think is, oh, I want to be this big um, over this time. It, it's a process. I'm just going to agree with Sean and, and Daniel. It's taken me 10 years to be, a, you know, recognized as a voice of sports business in Africa. Uh, but over those 10 years, I've learned to be at the right place at the right time. And it's gotten to a point where people call you to be at the right place at the right time. You know, I met Sean on LinkedIn and we ended up meeting in, um, in, well, in London. Hard. I didn't even yeah, yeah. know that, you know, I, I didn't expect you to be there, but you know, um, yeah, so, over so, so, time- so, so for, for that story, for example, the story for that is, so Cynthia has been putting out, had been put out various posts. And I think it was a, a, a post you put out that I connected with you and said, look, I really like what you're talking about, particularly I think it's a race to NBA Africa. And I was interested in that at the time. So I thought that's a really interesting perspective. I then connected with Simon Rofe, who's a professor at SOAS for an event I was at. And so I got to build this relationship with him. And he was uh, talking about an event that was taking place. And I was like, do you know, it'd be great for you to connect with who, who's got a perspective on this or I just introduced you that may not even been about that event I may just introduce you because it was around um, the basketball basketball Africa league the NBA and yes. FIBA basketball Africa league so you just started a dialogue and then it turns out Simon was doing an event with the UK anti-doping at this uh, private event one for uh, Wilton Park and you were one of the speakers at the event and someone had invited me to that event and so next thing you know yeah. we're there we're like oh great to meet in person but it shows you just from a, that yeah, why are you Process. connecting point, right? As in, what, 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 got... what guys don't know is I've known Sean on LinkedIn for maybe six years. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so, yep, we've, we've known each other for, for, and that happens with a lot of the relationships I have. So when you're, when you're starting out, you're, you're, you know, you're constantly asking yourself questions about how will I get there? Give yourself your objectives. In five years, this is what I want to be and this is where I want to be and work towards it, work backwards and say, this is how I'm going to get there. It's like anything else you do in your life. Um, it's the same thing with networking. It's the same thing with relationships. So these are the kind of relationships I want to have in the next 10 years in sports business or in four years or in three years, whatever, you know, that might be and work backwards towards that. It doesn't happen overnight. Never, 
never be confused about that. It's, it's, it doesn't happen overnight. Be patient with the, with the journey, be patient with the conversation and you will get there. And do you know, do you, and one of the things, do you not think to you guys, I don't think this all the time, I'm thinking like it's a bit of a joke because I'm like talking to various senior people and I'm thinking this is quite hilarious because 10 years ago, I would never have thought I'd be where I'm at now. And I'm sure a lot of people think the same and just think not much yep. has changed other than now people, you just seem to have more natural conversations with people because you put in that effort. So it's not, you're not striving as such. You're just, like I said, being more present. Um, the uh, We've got one question. So there's a couple of questions I wanted to ask was about Clubhouse uh, in particular. And then the other one was going to be, we've got one anonymous question, Clubhouse, and then de dealing with athletes, which I think is very relevant for this space. And then we'll wrap it, wrap it up. Thanks for everyone who, who's, first of all, thanks everyone for being so lovely and introducing yourselves in the chat. I know that it can be sometimes a bit intimidating to do, but it's brilliant. I hope you all connect. Thank you so much for the people who've been asking questions. If there's any that we haven't clarified, we've got a bunch of other events that we're looking at where we're picking up similar themes over the course of the you know the the coming weeks because it does seem to be a fundamental problem and i know that both cynthia and daniel privately do like you know got their own channels got their own communications in which they're talking on very similar themes and again you can never really do enough of this type of stuff to be honest with you just self, looking at self-improvement and how you engage um is just a useful exercise i think and point of self-reflection um so from anonymous attendee in addition to starting conversations it is also difficult to politely end them. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. Um, and networking events, um, it's important to try to speak to several people, not just one. Is there a professional way of bringing an interaction to a close, but preserving good terms for the future? Uh, let's go for a quick response. I can definitely give a response on that. But anyone else want to go? Or should I just... Ah. Um don't yeah, go for, no, go for sure. No, go for sure. I'll just say that normally I'll just say, if, say for example, I'm talking to someone, go, look, I'm really enjoying this conversation. Do you have a card or a contact we can pick up this conversation later on? I've really would like to. There's a couple of people I'd really like to talk to are here. You know, that, and I'm conscious that I may not get a chance to see them, right? Or I may not get a chance to do that. And most people, in my opinion, go, that's fine as long as it's not in the middle of their saying something, right? But most people would say, oh, sure, no, no problem, and just we just move on, right? And then the world moves on, and then like you know. Uh, that's how I personally, that's how I do it. Right. Or I bring someone else into the conversation. So, cause I know a lot of people, it's a bit different because I know a lot of people and Daniel, we've, you've done this to me on many occasions at your events. Right. Cause I talk a lot because people know, and Daniel was like, I'm, I commoditize people's time. And uh, Daniel was like, Hey, I've got other people to speak to. It's my event. <laughs> right. Hey, Sean, have you met Bob? And then I'll go, Oh, okay. And I'll just start waffling onto Bob. Right. And then Daniel can politely go away. Right. And Cynthia, we probably had a similar interaction at times. I know I'm guilty of that. I'm probably the person they're talking about. So sorry if I am. But Cynthia, any, any, uh, any, uh, any, do you guys anything to add on that? But that's what I would do. Just be honest. I know. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think you're the first person I've met who speaks more than I do. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, a it's an ability yeah, but to be honest with you it's an ability and disability because in a sense i've got a massive network because of it because i generally talk to lots of people because i generally enjoy right. it and people see this i don't think i'd know as many people as i know i mean that's from my perspective people are very different they're, they're introverts who have massive networks and they just know how to use their silence to connect with people but i talk i'm, I'm like you i speak a lot <laughs> and i'm very and i'm very comfortable in my speaking i think over time people have come to understand that that's what Cynthia is. She talks a lot and I'm okay with that. But I've learned that when I'm speaking now, I also have to listen quite as much as, as I speak. 
Yeah, that's an ongoing process for me. Probably 10 years' time, I might get somewhere near it. But I get my, my enth- <laughs> I'm just an enthusiastic individual, and it normally gets the better of me, which is the problem. And then before I realize it, I can see people's faces looking very glazed. And I'm thinking, probably should have ended that conversation about 15 minutes ago, right? But I'm, I'm getting there bit by bit. Uh, it's a work in progress, but hopefully, yeah, people forgive me. Um, the other thing then is the two things. One is, um, how do you guys approach dealing with professional athletes? Um, I found then I'll just put it out there for me it was just having organic relationships hey how are you doing what you're up to whether it's a Premier League football player an event just having a normal conversation and not fanboying typically over whatever they've done again there's normal human beings at the end of the day bored or not bored or anxious like you are at an event um what do you guys think do you agree with that or take a different approach or yeah I think I just try and boil it down to everybody is human (laughs) Um, and when everybody is a human being, regardless of whether you recognize them or not for doing something um, important or otherwise, um, I, yeah, it's very important. I think w- when you almost have that celebrity slash athlete imbalance <laughs> that um, you're not like, oh, tell me about all the secrets and fun stuff that you haven't told anybody because that's just not going to go down brilliantly as the truth. So it's it's trying to stay as calm and relaxed I when others around I- you might not. To give that an example, I've done a few things and I've done this to people. Again, my enthusiasm gets the better of me. And I normally stop myself but on a couple of occasions and it's only happened a couple of occasions. I get so enthusiastic. I feel like I've got to tell someone something like, in, I, uh, you know what? My view on this is this, or like, I saw you do this, or, you know, I like, you know, met a lot of football players and coaches and stuff. And I remember going to Charlton's uh, former manager, Chris Powell and player. And I normally don't do this. And I know we've got, mutual, the worst thing is we've got mutual friends. And I saw him and went, just want to say thank you for being an authentic person. Da, da, da. And he was kind of like, cool. Thanks for interrupting me. Like when I was walking along, but like uh, now what? Now where does the conversation? It's like a weird place to take the conversation. Where what I should have done and just waited till a more appropriate time. Or I had a, have had something I wanted to ask him that he could then tell me and share. Um, but I thought that was weird. Cynthia, have you got any advice in terms of connecting with athletes um, in particular? Well, um, I've, I've been very lucky to um, work with um, NBA. Um, with the NBA, NBA Africa, we had the NBA Africa League, a couple of, um, and, and a couple of um, NBA Africa events. So we had big stars around. And so I learned that sometimes you don't do the introduction yourself. You use one of the people within your network who is probably a senior manager or like the head of basketball operations. I'm like, dude, I need to connect with this guy. You're my, you're my boy. <laughs> Hook me up. Um, and, and they understand because we've already had a relationship mm. with this person. So they understand what, and they would ask, I mean, what, what angle are you taking? You know, so they trust you. So the first thing is there, though. You're not asking someone to do yes. something for you where they don't trust you because that's no, one thing. That's a no-no, by the way, for everyone listening, is when you just say to someone, oh, I know that you know someone because you do an introduction. You think, I don't no. really know you. I'm not comfortable with that. That's a different no, no, thing. No, 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 no. No, it's, it's always been with somebody that I've built a relationship with and they understand. And I explained to them, I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're running a program for kids the junior nba program and i'd like to connect with this person and oh we're doing a mentorship program and it'll be so amazing to have um this particular player and you have a relationship with them would you mind introducing me um and many times they come to and you know introduce uh, uh, and say this is cynthia um because of the, the the work that we've done and we're credible as well so say this is cynthia this is what she does in nairobi and 
um, I, um, I, I believe that she's somebody you need to know, especially because you do one, two, three, four, five yourself. And many times it, it breaks a barrier that, you know, would otherwise, but sometimes I met Joel Embiid, sorry, I had to say this, and he was just playing rude. I mean, he was just playing cold. <laughs> he just didn't want to talk to you. <laughs> he was just playing. Some people are like that though, right? You can catch them on the wrong, but you can catch people on the wrong day at the wrong time. I, I upset, I upset. And rejection, rejection I was, is part of the communication. I, so expect I, I, I did a, I did a real faux pas once where I was at an NFL event and um, in London I got invited to this party and there's all these players and other people and I wasn't I was just talking to people and having a great time and met some England rugby players and all well and good just literally just having natural conversations I go to the bathroom come back and see the six foot six guy there he's quite well built and I I said oh you okay he looked a bit tired and he was like yeah I'm just a bit tired and we started chatting and I made the faux pas of not assuming he was an athlete and just said oh so what is it you do and it turns out he was the two time uh, NFL champion who does the uh, commentary for the BBC, <laughs> and I was, and then embarrassingly, I then get introduced to him by my friend at the NFL who said, "Oh, by the way, have you met Sean?" And I was just like, "Oh, please, God, kill me! This is awful! This is awful!" And uh, he was nice about it, but it was a bit embarrassing. Um, the um, the point there though is that to just distill this, and we're going to wrap up with one more question on Clubhouse. Um, when you're asking people to to bring you into their network or to build to share a relationship with someone you've got to be able to i think this one don't ask when it's inappropriate to ask where you haven't done anything but they don't really understand what your motivations are and i say this for we're going to give people career advice in terms of people naturally want to help and if they can find the the as you were saying daniel with the serendipity approach if they can find there's a common connectivity between people they will naturally facilitate that discussion because it makes you feel good i think for a lot of people if they can help like say for example Cynthia and you and Simon there was a natural synergy there and it was easy for me to just go hey let me connect you guys I hope it goes well and then you get value from that yourself but don't 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 if someone asks for a faux pas like not what to do please please do not connect with someone immediately go hey I know you know Bob can you or, or Sarah or whoever it may be can you do an introduction and you just don't know and for me I may even unconnect with people on LinkedIn if they start behaving that way because i'm thinking you're just literally just trying to show that you know me or someone i know in my network in order to bounce through to someone else and it becomes very transparent in terms of daniel you're on clubhouse i'm not on clubhouse and my reasoning was and i think i may be wrong with this i just thought i've never rushed to be on a conference call ever in my life and so i haven't had in engaging it i am quite time poor with kids and stuff um but I can see why it might be attractive for some in terms of your experience of clubhouse and for some of the people trying to network within clubhouse, what's mm. your experience of it? Cause you're probably more, and Cynthia, I don't know if you're in clubhouse, are you, are you, are you in clubhouse yet or not? I'm on Android. We don't have clubhouse. Oh, you don't have cover. Oh, right. Oh, you're an Android <laughs> person. No, but yeah. So uh, that's fine. Like it, by the way, I think Android apps coming soon. Um, Daniel, from your perspective, clubhouse, any thoughts, uh, tips? I, I really, really, really like it. Um, I, I like joining in. I like listening into some conversations. Um, I like seeing who are the first movers on there anyway, because they're usually the quite innovative people generally and don't mind putting themselves out there. I um, get a little bit concerned that when people ask you to join the conversations that you don't actually, if it's me, that don't have anything useful to say is the truth. Um, but the great thing is that when I'm leading conversations, 
um, being able to engage with people that are listening in that otherwise wouldn't have had the chance to leads me to literally write down as I go along, right, this brilliant, this person's joining the conversation, this person is. You still can't really connect with people on Clubhouse in the sense that you can't message anybody, right. you can't do that. And I understand that's not the point. But the sort of connectivity interaction of audio only having to be there at that exact moment to listen into the conversation is actually quite a compelling one for me at the moment. I don't listen mm. into loads, no. uh, but I do listen into some just to hear how people are speaking into the, the, the content. So it's just another, another social media avenue for some content creation that I've, I've, I've really enjoyed so far. Yeah. Cause you could see from, so from, from our perspective, and we're going slightly off tangent. So maybe it's a private conversation, but you could see though, from a connectivity point of view, like I said, I've never jumped to run on a conference call. I've never known anyone who's jumped to run on a conference call. And that's kind of my first position. The fear of missing out or the fear that the point of being part of an exclusive network seems to be very attractive. The question I have is that some people in it, I'm not too sure they're really like, I'm not sure. I think it's a great part of not having created content in some ways and having organic conversations, but also I fear that, that sometimes you could be you could be part of something you think, is this conversation going in the right direction? Is it not? Is it are they actually knowledgeable or not? But you can build up a following. But yeah, I'll wait and see. And I and I, you know, follow you on this one. So I'll see what you're up to. <laughs> and then go, is Daniel getting valued from this? If he is, maybe I'll look into it. Um, but I can definitely see I like the fact of, you know, I can and then people say it's very addictive actually, in terms of addictive quality of just like tuning in. Um but uh, podcasts need to be the way forward. The other piece of advice I'll have, uh, uh, the, the final thing, and maybe you've got some final advice for people, is if you enjoy someone's work, if you enjoy listening to them talk, if you enjoy their article, their post on LinkedIn, take the time as everyone's being bombarded with stuff to write that, either physical letter, in-person letter, pick up the phone, tell them, you know, put your hand up in a, in a, in, um, you know, um, Oh, so someone said Jane Clemson. Sorry, just put Clubhouse is an issue with data privacy. How does Daniel address requirements to have to share your contacts? Oh, okay, that's a good one, but not hey. for this. We should put Jane. <laughs> send me an email on that. I'm all we're, we're all over the data and legal issues around data, but I think it's a it's a great point. Um, that, that really really good point. Um, there's some other. I was looking at something early, a similar thing where it asked to share your contacts, and I I turned it down for that reason. Um, but my point was so going back. Was if you are going to connect with people like I've done with Dan, like my connection both with Daniel and with Cynthia was based on one of, hey, I love what you're doing. I'd just love to like chat, grab a coffee. Uh, if we can't do that, connect. Um, take the time to do it. And then for me, you'll stand out like a sore thumb in this current environment as everyone's like trying to hustle too much. The people who can take the time to really appreciate other people's work and connect. Like for me, I don't know about if you, Cynthia and Daniel, you agree. For me, they like, or say, for example, um, uh, is it Boas, Daniel, the, your Instagram? Who, Bart? Bart, sorry, Bart. Yeah. Uh, like Bart, people who can really connect and say, I think, I think what you do is great. I'd love to help you or something like that. Just, for me, I always respond to those people eventually, even if it's a month later, two months later, I'll make the time to get back to them and connect. The one yeah. thing from my interaction with Cynthia so far, which I know we're going to connect and have some good uh, good chats, is positivity, I think, is the, the thing that just exudes out of you both. And obviously, when connecting with Cynthia now as well, it's like, yeah, the ability to be positive stands you out from the crowd. It has to be authentic and real and specific. But as long as you do it in the right way, nobody digitally is too positive. And that's... No, no, no. But what I mean, use that as your superpower. 
Absolutely. And yeah, on that point, actually, and Cynthia, you're a prime example of this. Someone asked a question about international. We've got a lot of international members of law and sport, obviously. I think it's only like 35% of our membership base comes from the UK now. And one of the things you always get is, again, people can feel like a um, you know, little old person in Kenya or a little old person in, in Czech Republic or whatever. What have I got to offer? We've got everything to offer. You're super interesting to like most people because most people don't get to hear a voice from there. They hear about like, you know, the dominant Premier League or the NBA in particular. In my experience, I, like I said, and I don't just think it's me. I think most people are looking for that different perspective, that, that diversity of thought. Would you agree, Cynthia, with that, given you know, your experience and your I international I think that's network? a unique selling proposition, that we're different, exactly. that we're African. We speak about Africa in a way that people don't hear about Africa. I know a lot of negativity comes out of, you know, the, the, the media, the, what people hear out there is not necessarily the best stuff. And we've got lots of good stuff happening, but then there's also lots of opportunity for everybody around the world to, you know, come in and be a part of the greatness that we're building. So for sure, I'm very excited about being one of those voices and one of the first for, for sure. Um, and on that, sorry, I, on that point. I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I, um, I run for president of the Basketball Federation in Kenya and I was the first woman in Africa to do so. Um, Amazing, congratulations. Two months ago, and I tell you, the whole world was on my LinkedIn. <laughs> the whole world was on my LinkedIn because I never seen the world. But I knew when I was going for this that it, it would have that, and it would give me an opportunity to speak about what basketball is on the continent, what opportunities there are, and things like that. So never be afraid if you're coming from out, you know, those spaces that people say are out, outwardly, out of, you know, out of the norm. Just, just be confident in your story. Um, and it'll come out and, and, and ultimately people will listen. And I think the point of you combine that with being positive, and this is the one thing like, and providing, like if you are going to use a content strategy, provide useful insights. Oh my, 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 my word. Like if people actually write useful updates on LinkedIn and I know I might not be, I might be guilty as of anyone else of putting just information out because we're doing so many activities. And then people always tell me, oh, I didn't know about this and then I feel bad. So I'm always trying to put out what we're doing in terms of because it's just so people don't get upset with me at times. Um, but I'm very conscious of that. But when people put out stuff, whoever it is, like, you know, from Hungary, from, I don't care where it is in the world, and they go, hey, this is unique to our market. This is what's going on here. Again, it's, where can you get that type of depth of information? You often can't do it. And that is if you bring that positivity to your interactions with people and say, hey, I'm trying to connect with you in our country. This is not happening, but we think this may happen. or We've got this new exciting property. People are going to want to connect with you. Um, Cynthia, Daniel, you're two of the best people I know. And I said it before in terms of doing this type of stuff. And I think it's apparent um, uh, from, the, from this webinar. Thank you so much for giving out your time um, to do this. You're both extremely busy. I know you are. Cynthia, you've been going through some some personal matters, you know, that you know, my thoughts are with you and your family. And, uh, you know, really takes, you know, it's like, so background is not only she's got stuff going on, but she had a tire burst and she still tuned in. An incredible professional. You can see why you were successful in sales. Um, you know, you still got it. Um, no, but quite seriously, thank you both very much for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and hopefully for all those people listening the real desire for a lot of the stuff that we're doing around career development and everything that we're doing is about building community, right? We care about, and Daniel, we've been talking about this lately, but like, you know, Daniel said, when, he, when we started Law and Sport, he didn't quite realize that the community aspect of it, he knew the content, but it was a the community, such a big part of what we do that we're trying to do in a sustainable way, basically, which is the challenge. But what we want to do is people to come away from these things 
you know, tell other people about it, share these experiences, break down some of these barriers that are there. And often they're like superficial barriers that can be reinforced sometimes by some very insecure people who tell you not to speak to someone, not to do that stuff. I don't buy into that. I don't think you guys buy into that. There's so much richness to connect with people worldwide. Thank you guys for being a catalyst for that and being inspiration to me, uh, you know, in the work that you do, because I do look at what you do and, you know, I do follow what you do and I go, man, sometimes I find it incredibly impressive and then have to deal with my negative self talk about why am I not doing as much as Cynthia and Daniel. But in all seriousness, thank you for all the work you do to support other people and connect people. It is really appreciated. Thank you to all of you who attended and joined the session. It, the one thing I always say is, you know, talking about relationships, if you found what we did useful, if you liked what Daniel and Cynthia and myself have said, please do tell people, you know, do take the time to do an update on LinkedIn, on social media. It makes a big difference, right? Because you're telling other people about what you've learned and what you shared. And my top tip would be to write down what you learned and shared so you can connect and resonate with other people. And that will immediately help you build that network. Other than that, I hope wherever you are, uh, and we have people from all over the world who tuned in. Thank you so much. Thank you again to the speakers. Thank you for your wonderful questions. Yeah, go forth and network and build relationships. And, you know, hopefully as well, if you're like us and you believe in positivity and making a difference, and particularly in the sports sector, which is the one we work in, we're all proud to work in, and you can actually build um, uh, relationships and contribute. So my, my four-year-old is just about to, to, to Zoom bomb me. But the, um, <laughs> um, you know, hopefully, you know, if we can all build this network of community of people trying to do positive, incrementally trying to do positive things in a few years' time, when we go, right, you know, we look up, We'll see that obviously sports stronger in Africa is stronger in Europe is stronger all parts of the world. And we'll laugh and think, wow, these amazing networks that we've got and like how, how easily it happens. So hopefully that's a bit of positivity for your day. And thanks again.